future. Um, and I'd like to share some thoughts on the intervention of kindness, kindness, kindness in, in our very disquieted world. There's a, a story told from the early centuries of Christian monasticism, which began in the Egyptian desert. Some of the brothers came to the abbot, Abba Poiman, to ask his counsel. And the brothers asked the Abba, when we see other brothers dozing in the chapel during the prayer time, um, should we pinch them so they'll stay awake? And the, the Abba paused for a moment and said, uh, no, he said, actually, if I saw a brother sleeping, I would put my head, I would put his head on my knees and let him rest, which is an act of kindness. The English word kind comes from the same etymological root as our word kin. We're to live kindly with one another because we belong to one another. We are kin to one another. We are humankind. And I would say living kindly goes without saying for those whom we cherish and identify with and feel some uh, clear and dear sense of belonging. Kindness goes without saying. Uh, it's easy, or at least it's easier to be kind to someone whom we love. The New Testament word for kindness is defined as compassion, love, full of tenderness, gentleness, goodness. Which comes uh, quite naturally uh, to those whom we love, kindness. Now, if we read the scriptures forensically, and by that I mean, I mean, so if kindness comes so naturally, it just flows so beautifully, why does it need to be talked about so much in the scriptures? Why is kindness commended to us? Uh, as a kind of necessary elixir, if it just flows out of us quite naturally. So I'm calling this reading the scriptures forensically. Like if we're told to be kind, yet one more time, what's behind that? What's, what's behind that commendation? And I would say that's because some people quite easily repel us, are the objects of our judgment or our disdain. We don't like them. 
And that's because of, well, what's your list? <laughs> it's because uh, of their, their culture or their language or their race or their religion or class or education or sexual orientation or age or, or, or perhaps uh, it's because they have uh, different hopes or values or politics. The scriptures, it seems, have to remind us because of people like them who are in our lives. Your audio. Yeah, well, you. Oh, um, look. You click on. Um, you uh, click on on what it gave you. Graham. Graham. Can you unmute Brother Curtis and Emily? Can you mute? Yeah. Can you hear it? Not very well. Emily, we can hear you. So be great if you could unmute or mute yourself. And Brother mute, Curtis, please. Unmute. Great. Brother Curtis, can you unmute? There we go. Sorry about that. There we go. We're all learning so many new things now. <laughs> <laughs> In the Hebrew scriptures, we read, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. We read that one time in the Hebrew scriptures. One time. In 36 places, we read to love the stranger. And when we watch Jesus in the gospels, we see how he magnifies this teaching in his own behavior. Uh, and you'll know this, he does not exclude anyone. Uh, even those who were viewed by many people, certainly the people to whom he belonged, people uh, who were easily seen as despicable. Um, the prevailing reason why Jesus said what he said and did what he did was because of tender love, a tender loving mercy, which is another word for compassion, which is suffering with one another because we belong to one another, we're kin. So we see in Jesus' life and ministry, it's whether to the lame or to the lost, to the pompous or to the paupers, Jesus was compassionate. So we read in the Psalms, which would have been Jesus' prayer book. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, slow to anger and of great kindness. 
Psalm 103. Jesus' kindness is remembered in the Greek as philonexia. Philonexia, which is love of strangers. And philonexia is the opposite of xenophobia, which is the fear or the hatred of strangers, the discrimination against strangers. Philonexia, the love of strangers, becomes the New Testament norm for sharing life, of living kindly with one another. We read, for example, in the letter to the Hebrews, let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Or by doing that, some have even entertained angels without knowing it. Philonexia, not xenophobia. Kindness breaks down the wall of hostility that can otherwise be so easily constructed between us and others whom we find different. I would say kindness arises from compassion, the memory that, the memory that we are all kin. Kindness also conveys dignity by bequeathing worth to others. So many people live their lives with deafening words of criticism uh, and inadequacy and fear. Words which probably echo back uh, to their childhoods. And they will collude with this undignity that was bestowed on them, perhaps in their childhood. They will collude with this unless there's some kind of intervention, um, an intervention of kindness from someone else. You'll know that, that when we have a baptism and renew our, when we renew our baptismal promises, one of the promises that we make or make again is that we will respect the dignity of every human being. Respect the dignity of every human being. For some people, we have to give them dignity before they have dignity to respect. Because they have no dignity. It was perhaps never given to them, never bequeathed to them as it should have been, or maybe it's been robbed of them. We have to give them dignity before there's dignity in them to respect, because they have I would say that most people, most of the time, are doing the very best they can 
which is sometimes quite tragic, um, sometimes deplorable, immoral, illegal. I think that most people, most of the time, are doing the best they can. Uh, Philo of Alexandria, who was uh, a Greek, uh, a Jewish, uh, Jewish Greek philosopher and a contemporary of Jesus, said, "Be kind. Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle." Kindness is an act of generosity. Generosity presumes life to be a given. I'm sorry, generosity presumes life to be a gift and not a given. And we participate in life on God's terms, gift that it is by cherishing the gifts of life, not clinging to them, um, not hoarding them, but sharing them from God's bounty entrusted to us. There's always more. And when we, are, when we are generous with our kindness, this generosity enables others to know life as a gift and invites them to live life thankfully. We give them cause to live life thankfully. Gratitude transforms life. And kindness enables it. And so we read in this wonderful, uh, wonderful verse in the letter to the Colossians. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion Kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Now think of that verse from Colossians, as I said earlier, reading it forensically. Why does that need to be said? Why does that need to be said to us? Because life could be lived other than that. So we are told, we're reminded as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, I... I have several practices of kindness that I'm very glad to uh, share with you. But how about if we pause for a moment and see if, uh, see if anyone wants to ask something or push back on something or um, just welcome me. And Garrett, you could be the traffic director here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, does anyone does anyone have a question or a reflection? Um, you could 
raise your hand uh, using the raise hand function, um, which is where? Uh, Sandy, what's your thought? Sandy Creighton has a thought. Curtis, thank you so much for being with us today. My goodness, it's so good to see you after all these years. Thank and, you, Sandy. Uh, we both have grown old, I think, gracefully together. I see you're thinning out and I'm graying out. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you're, everything is that we see and that you've talked about is our, my North Star, you know, and it reminds me that we have to practice this every day to treat people with kindness, gentleness, and respect. <clears throat> And that's hard to do when we're caught up in this pandemic and tri little trend tridemic, if you want to call it. But I think that um, it's a, a it's been a marvelous time, even though it's been a painful time. But painful times bring good things, I think. And coming back from Vietnam, I ended up uh, from a war into a another pandemic of hatred and, and disgust and turmoil when I came back to the United States. And it's in nothing in the military, they say nothing gets happened unless there's a flap because no money is available until Congress throws money at us. But what happened was that the flap is like somebody kicks a beehive and the bees all start buzzing around. And that's exactly what we're doing today is we're buzzing around to be, form a more perfect nation in this messy, messy part of our democracy. And the COVID has just added to that, I think, and I think this is God's grace on us to allow us to be isolated. So we have to reflect, we have to sit still. We have to sit still, just like you said, we have to sit still and reflect about who we are and where we're going. So I have great hope and you've given and reinforced that hope, I think, because those watchwords of greeting people and trying, practicing to approach people who are coming at you and give them their dignity, kindness, and respect. Thank you so much for being here today. Also, I'd like to yeah. add, Sandy made the comment that what Curtis was describing, the, the kindness, et cetera, is the ethos of this country. And it's, a, I feel the country is getting off kilter a bit and it's time to pull back and- And, and people are feeling regroup. that. Brother Curtis, Elizabeth, Sandy. Um, thank you, Creightons. So there's a question in the, in the uh, chat box from Wen. Um, it, and Wen says, um, it's difficult at this moment in this time in our national life to speak truth morally and spiritually with kindness. Um, speaking, speaking truth, saying what needs to be said kindly. Um, I wonder if you have any reflections on that, Brother Curtis. Mm. You guys probably have to speak some truth in the monastery. By God's grace, we do. And I suspect it's probably of us here, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I, th I think that 
um, homework is always helpful um, uh, before uh, speaking truth, what we believe to be truth. If we find someone who is other than us, to presume that what uh, what they hold to be important, what they value, uh, what their hopes and dreams are, have been informed by their past. They simply didn't wake up to this. Um, and it's so helpful, I think, always, uh, especially in the face of someone who is the other to us, to try to enter their world. Uh, where did they learn this? Um, what are their values? What are their hopes? What are their fears? Uh, what is at stake for them? And this, which is not to say that we agree with them, but to say if we're in this together, um, to find some way to uh, um, share life together in the context of disagreement, which doesn't, which does not require uh, rejection. From our part, that's what I would say. Uh, we have no control over whether someone's going to reject us or how they're going to treat us. I mean, that's, we don't have any more control over that than, than Jesus did. But we do have, we do have some, uh, I think, power of authorship for how it is we're going to enter into other people's lives, uh, listen to them, make space for them, breathe on them dignity, even if we find the way they're deporting themselves or speaking is not. So I'm, I'm uh, this could take us a lifetime, I think, to, uh, to figure out well, as well it should. But that's, that, I'm talking about homework there. Um, so it's just presuming that this person, this person has been formed with as many principles as have formed us. We may find in our experience, they seem to be deformed, but what they value has not come from nowhere much as we may even some days disagree with them. I'm thinking about um, um, somewhat of a divisive figure, but a guy named Cornell West, who will, um, he's on the news often offering a, a theological commentary. And whoever he's talking about, he always says brother or sister. He'll say brother Trump or brother Bernie. Um, but it's in his own prophetic way, he's assuming a deeper kinship. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, um, that's, that's, that's beautiful. I think it makes, it's, I think it's fascinating to imagine if we, if we're saying, so where is all this leading? If, if we've got, if we carry within our souls, the hope of heaven, that there's an eternity and that God is love and that God will not be content until everyone is loved into heaven. I mean, I would, I want to say that. Then to say, we're going to be sharing neighborhoods with lots of folks, lots of them that are not like us. And so we want to lean into that practice now of presuming that otherness is part of the majesty and mystery of God's creation. God clearly loves uh, diversity, <laughs> clearly, if you just look at the panoply of creation. Um, here, would you, would you welcome your yeah, friends? Uh, welcome. Uh, I could name 
several things that could be helpful ways to practice practice kindness. Would may I do that? Yeah, that would be great. One is I talked a moment ago about some homework, especially in the presence of what we find distressing. Um, um, and I'd say a wonderful practice is, is for us to use our breathing, to use our breathing as respiratory therapy for our souls. So if you're in touch with something that is really negative, uh, to breathe it out. And then to breathe in, what would be the elixir? So if you're in touch with rage, to breathe out rage. And to breathe in, what does your soul crave or need? Peace. To breathe out rage. And to breathe in peace. To breathe out rage. Breathe in peace. Breathe out rage. Breathe in peace. Breathe out despair. Breathe in hope. Breathe out despair. Breathe in hope. And if you would find that helpful, I mean, it's whatever words come to you, what's, what's clogging the way, what's in the way, and what would help you get on the way. Uh, and how long do you do this? Long enough. <laughs> we all breathe quite regularly. So there's a lot of opportunity for this. Uh, so to use your breathing as like respiratory therapy for your soul. Uh, another practice that you might find helpful is to draw from what I'll call your miracle memory that I suspect all of us have been the recipients of kindness going way back to younger years. And I, I can think so clearly, I'm just you know, like a three and four year old. I, I may not have had the word kindness in my vocabulary then, but I know what it was. <laughs> Reflect back on your own life, on your own experience of kindness. Who was kind to you? And how were they kind to you? What was your experience of it? Um, and is there some way you can model that now? Um, I'd say, I remember kindness when I was a child. You know, the scriptures call us, consistently call us children of God. <laughs> not adults of God, but children of God, you know. And kindness does, does not need to be fancy or sophisticated. Very, very, very tender. I was having this, I have a bad day in monasteries, like anywhere else, I was having a bad day. And clearly I was showing it on my face. Uh, as one of my brothers here in the monastery walked past me, and and he he gently he gently held my arm. He looked in my eyes, and uh, he said, "It looks to me like today is difficult." Well, as I remember this, I tear up. <laughs> I said, "It is," and he gave me a hug. That whole transaction lasted about 10 seconds. I was a new man. <laughs> I was a new man. I was a new man. The kindness doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be sophisticated. So 
Who was kind to you? How were they kind to you? Um, what can you model now? And where can you express your gratitude to people who have been kind to you? Can you express it? Can you express it back to them? Then I'd say, be kind to yourself. Um, you're an amazing person. If other people knew yourself the way you know yourself, they would say you are a walking miracle. How in the world have you come to be where you are, as you are, how you are, given from where you've come? You're a miracle, a walking miracle. And no matter how many people know us or know us very well, including spouse or best friend, no one is going to know you the way you do. Uh, be very kind to yourself. Uh, uh, be your own best friend. Uh, cherish yourself. Um, when you're looking in your bathroom mirror in the morning, um, wink at yourself. <laughs> you're amazing. And you know it. So kind to yourself. Um, there's this old Buddhist insight. How you do something is how you do everything. <laughs> I love that. How you do something is how you do everything. Be kind to yourself. And it will spin off uh, in your encounters with others in the course of the day. And then I'll say one other thing. Don't wait. Don't wait to reciprocate kindness. That is to say, don't wait until you've been the receiver of kindness to be kind to someone else. Don't reciprocate kindness, initiate kindness. Um, don't be on the take for kindness. Initiate uh, kindness. Um, live kindly. Because uh, kindness generates, living kindly generates kindness. Um, and if we're living kindly, then we're not going to be on the take, not be a setup for resentment when it doesn't happen, because sometimes it doesn't. Um, but don't let other people set the terms for your kindness. Live kindly. Uh, and kind, kindness will, will generate kindness. Kindness comes from the same etymological root as kin, comes from the same etymological root as kindle. Kindle kindness. Kindle kindness. There's a wonderful um, poet, educator, here um, um, uh, in uh, Massachusetts, Lucy Larkham, who was a great 19th century poet, uh, taught at Wheaton College uh, in, uh, in Norton. Uh, she said, if the world seems cold to you, kindle fires to warm it. Kind can kindle. 
I think we're living in such an opportune time. There's lots of other words for it too, um, some of which are negative, but I think it's incredibly opportune. Your brother Garrett and friends from St. Anne's, I think we're I think we're at our time here. May I may I, may I close here with um, uh, some words from the prophet Micah, words which Jesus would have known. What does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. Brother Curtis, thank you for your words, for these reflections. As, as you've been talking, um, you know, I moved here from Pittsburgh and I'm thinking about the great patron saint of Pittsburgh, who's also the patron saint of kindness towards children, and that's Fred Rogers. And as you were talking, I was thinking, if Mr. Rogers wore a cassock, he would look a lot like Curtis Almquist. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I thank you so much for Generous the, of you. these kind words, what you've uh, kindled for us. Um, what a great reminder and what a great invitation for us in this moment. So, so welcome, Gary. My, my honor, such a joy to be with you and friends uh, at St. Anne's. Thank you. Thank you everyone for uh, your time and, um, and we'll, see you, we'll see you in church or see you next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Curtis. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you. Be well, everyone. Peace.